guys, welcome to Overcrest. I'm Chris. And I'm Jake. And we are broadcasting, or actually, we're not broadcasting anything. We're recording yes. live at the Minnesota Cars and Coffee, which is the largest monthly car event in the country. Yes. And maybe even the world. So we I are, don't know if that's true. But. We are the <laughs> <laughs> We are the podcast. The official podcast. The official podcast of, of the largest car event in the world. Or just, I mean, we At literally least. can say we're the official <laughs> podcast of the largest car event in the, the country. Monthly car event in the country. Or the world. We'll right. just say the world. Sure. That's so, a, that's um, a lot better. one thing I'm looking forward to, we got a lot of cool cars pulling in right now. Later, we're going to go around and find some of the coolest cars. Uh, we might talk to the owners and, and try to figure out uh, what we're interested in, how yeah, they came by these some, cars. Because there's lots of cool cars that I just have no... Like my brain can't fit all the information of all the cars ever made, so hopefully we'll be able to. I thought uh, you were an encyclopedia of. I'm the opposite knowledge. of an encyclopedia. <laughs> I'm an encyclopedia of opinions. That's true. <laughs> I am not an encyclopedia Unfounded of Unfounded opinions. Yes. Well, they're they're certainly founded because um, I'm right all the time, which means they are founded. But I want to just get some. Maybe we can get some feedback on some interesting cars that I because I love learning. Yeah. And maybe I can be an encyclopedia someday. But uh, yeah, so hopefully we can talk to some people and get some get some information. Right, and I was going to say for for those that aren't aware of cars and coffee that have never been at least to this particular one, the breadth of the different cars that we have here is what's really cool to yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, it's it's awesome. It's if you're within, I don't know, probably six hundred miles of here, it's worth coming. it's worth coming at and least at least once. It's the first Saturday of every month during the summer. Yeah, that's right. That's so right. Ooh, um, there's an E34 M5 over there. I know too much about those cars. We probably won't talk to that guy. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Can't get too niche here with your yeah, own. I suppose. Yeah, there's exactly. a, well, right behind you, there's. What a, is it, a Miata or something? No. It's one of those slingshots. Oh, yeah. It's a slingshot. I don't want to talk to that I guy don't either. either. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, should we run into some news right away here and then we'll come back yeah, and talk to uh, some, some cool cars? It's still pretty early yet, so let's run through some news. That's a good idea. Absolutely. So, um, Porsche, we, we've talked about in previous episodes, they have their 919. So, Porsche is dead, basically. That you're just saying everyone is dead. They're dead. They're well. They're dying. To you. It's, it's, well, let's say let's. Well, we're all dying, right? So okay. this is like some sort of uh, uh, long-term illness, in my opinion. Okay. And this, well, let and, me let me get into what this is. So uh, Porsche had drove their. They have their 919 Le Mans racer right. that they basically are retiring, and to do that, like a send-off, they made basically a road-going no hold. Yeah, we talked about version this. This is the one that just totally. Totally went crazy at Spa, right? And beat Hamilton's record, everything like that. Yep. So um, Hamilton got spanked by this 919. Oh, okay. Yeah, but I almost it was like either one second or it was a little over a second. Um, but anyway, so they're taking the car on a tour, and they were driving it in New York City, right? Um, and it there's <laughs> they show hire a different photographer because they had like a zillion photos of this car driving through New York, right? And he, I was like scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. I'm like all oh, these. Photos are not just crap. great. Well, it's just like <laughs> they're unedited. They're like straight. I mean, it was just they, huh. I don't know. I wonder why really they did that. It's weird. Like, and so did they close off city streets? So basically, I mean, we're getting ahead of ourselves. They, for whatever reason, drove it down the cities in New York, this car. And it's supposed to be kind of like a send-off, a publicity thing. But you said it feels like a funeral procession it for does. the brand. It, it felt like, hey, this is the this is the flagship of our LMP program. This is the last thing we're going to do. We're just, it's... And now, now what? So then they're yeah. going to go do Formula E where all the cars are just running electric motors. There's only, there's a zillion ways to build a combustion engine. Like you've got V6s, V8s, inline 6s, inline 4s, V4s, V12s, flat 6s, right. flat 4s. 
in line eights. I mean, and there's like a million different things. There's only one way to do an electric motor. Yeah, and we're going to so lose a lot of character. All the breadth of motorsport and the ingenuity and everything else. Yep. You may feel like it's still there because the cars might have different specs or something like that. But it's gone. Right. It's like, oh, how are we gonna how are we gonna do our regenerative braking a little bit a little bit differently? You know, so it's I know. So you're losing a lot of the character that comes with the, you know, all these gas engines and the noise, like the Corvette that just drove by our Absolutely. listeners probably heard. Um, so I know it, it's kinda sad. So um, that was basically the end of Porsche Motorsport. Is that what we're... No, I mean, it's like I said, it's like, it, it felt like a funeral procession, <laughs> procession but they're not dead yet. No. So it'd be like, I mean, it'd be like finding out you have a terminal disease <laughs> and then having the funeral before you're even dead, you know, in that kind of way. So it's, they're not dead yet, but it's like the Grim Reaper's already there. Yeah. I mean, I feel like um, they're 9-9, or I'm sorry, they're nine eleven cup cars are still going to be around for a while. Yes, those right? will be around for a while. It's just the fact that now they're the Le Mans prototype type cars. I think that was maybe that was, it But that was while. the pinnacle. I mean, that was like the, wow, you know. Right, that's the top of the line engineering prowess for. Yeah, I mean brand. the GT stuff will still be around. Absolutely. So, um, I also want to talk about this next story from over across the pond. Do you like my title for this story? I yeah, I didn't want to read the title, but the title that Chris titled this story: "Some idiot <laughs> is an idiot." Yeah, it's some idiot so, is an idiot, which is totally a true. A British motorist either didn't understand the difference between the driver assist feature in his Tesla Model S and a fully automated system, or he simply didn't care because he activated autopilot mode, I love this, and then slid over to the passenger seat while he's driving down the road. So, so I imagine this happens more than this one time. Oh, I'm sure people I mean, because it's this. like, oh, I want to fuck with people. So they yeah. turn the automated thing on and then they duck as they drive by. Yeah. Doing all kinds of dumb shit. And, you know, people have died, but they're still doing it anyway. Yeah. I, I, you know, and I thought there was something where it needs to have some sort of driver feedback in order to continue to be in autopilot mode. Like, I know um, the new Volvo. Yeah, you have to touch the steering wheel. Exactly. Every, like, every so often. Yep. It'll ding and have you touch the steering But you could reach over from the passenger seat and touch the steering wheel if you wanted. Yeah. So. We got a lot of fans stopping by. Feel free to, to take a button if you'd like. Um, Jake's literally talking here. to nobody right now because those people already walked away. <laughs> 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 Thanks, bud. All uh, right. So, back. yeah. See? Um, yeah, it's, it's really fun out here. You guys should... Uh, Swing by next month. I was going to say we're not actually live, so it's oh, not I like love we that, can tell that people truck to swing over there's by. got a fifty cal on mounted on top of it. Oh, that is sweet. An old uh, army. Is that an M thirty seven? That's like a deuce deuce. Yes, with a fifty cal mounted on the top. I think you're right. That's cool. I should pull fifty cal on top of my nine eleven. Do you have a sunroof? I don't think no. Sunroofs are stupid. It, no, but it'd be perfect if you had one because then you can just, just pop, pop out the sunroof. Be like the, the Hummers <laughs> and the, the military Hummers. Exactly. So well, that should be a topic for an episode: is that sunroofs are stupid. Are they re- sunroofs they, stupid? They reduce headroom and they increase weight. No, I agree. But also, you can have you your also told Aveda me hair flowing. That's me freely in the wind. <laughs> you told me you never use a sunroof when you have it, though. So I feel I like you don't appreciate it. I don't. Why? Like, what, why would I appreciate? The sun, which is an oppressive ball of burning light. Really? Yeah, I don't. I don't like the sun. You are so depressing. <laughs> All right. So don't. Uh, well, actually, I'm not going to tell you not to get in the passenger seat of your Tesla as it's an autopilot because I think that's funny and you should do it. But you're going to get well, a fuller motorist took video of the stunt and uploaded it to social media. It was later reported at a hurt. <laughs> I love British places. Okay. It's from Hertfordshire. 
Hertfordshire. Hertfordshire. Yeah. But you have to say it like Hertfordshire. Hertfordshire. He pled guilty to dangerous driving. Police said he'll be banned from operating a vehicle for 18 months. He said he admitted the breach was silly, but said the car was capable of something amazing. He said he was merely the unlucky one who get caught, and he's probably right. Right, yeah, there's other people who have done Patel this. Patel was sentenced to $100 of community service and 10 days of rehab. And rehab? Yeah, I was curious what that means, too. What is, like, know. being an idiot rehab? Oh, man. Are we driving a Tesla or what? Yeah, we need to do this uh, soon. We'll, we'll get in in the next couple of weeks and talk about it. Um, what I was going to talk about with the self-driving, though, and how we talked about you have to be engaged with it, I think, for it to keep going. I thought there were stories of someone putting, because what it does, it's like a touch sensor. So right. it feels your hand. It feels the weight of your hands. I is think, that what even. it is? Yeah, I thought it was like... First, this is like probably totally wrong, but I feel like someone said <laughs> that, it, that it has to be like the weight of a grapefruit. Right, that's what is I was that, getting at. That, so people right put turn? something on the steering wheel so it senses it. Like I've heard, I thought it was like someone put a slice of bologna or something so it like senses like it's, you know, bologna. flesh. Could you imagine driving in the sun and having bologna on there and the smell? <laughs> oh my not God. Not ideal. No, I don't. I do not like bologna either. Yeah. All right, so we'll move along to our next story here. Um, this is a little technical, but uh, it's kind of cool. There is basically... Wait, this is dumb. What do you mean this is cool? This is awful. Really? This is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Okay. I hate this. Well, so basically there's a new concept of an internal combustion engine. Oh, wait, no. We're on a different, you're on a different story <laughs> than me. I was like, why is this so upsetting to you? No, this is actually... Oh, yeah, yeah, no. Their next story, yeah. we'll tease, is really dumb. <laughs> no, but this, um, basically there is what's called a reactivity controlled compression ignition system that's a... It's almost like a cross between a diesel and a gasoline engine. So it's a compression ignition gasoline engine, and it's basically going to give you the best of both worlds. So you have the high compression and power of a gas engine, but you have the efficiency of So this a is how old bulldozers used to start. So they'd have like this little valve or a lever that you could push okay. or pull. Right. So you pull this lever off, up it would reduce the compression. Right. So you could start, because they had like glow plugs and stuff, but it would be like... Old. Dead cold. You'd be outside. Yep. You'd be in trying to mine gold in the in the little Klondike, right? So the thing would start. Is so that what you do lever. with your bulldozer? Of course. So you pull this lever, and it would open a valve in the in the cylinder head that yeah, would reduce it's a the decompression. compression. Yeah. So it decompress it, and then you could start it on gas. Yep. Get it to warm up, and it would run like holy hell. And then you could close the valve and change it over to diesel. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, and then it would run on diesel. So you'd use the gas to warm it up because otherwise it would never fucking start. It's easier to start on gas. Yeah, so th- so it's not new technology. I mean, No, but they're they're refining it and going to put it, um, well, I think it's a study basically to put it into production as a regular vehicle engine. And it, that reminds me also of like two-stroke, even like chainsaws, you know, they have the decompression lever yep. where you, so you can start it. So yep. it's kind of that same I saw concept. the, uh, I was over at, hanging out at the shop last night and i took i posted this on instagram already on our instagram okay but they have uh there was a magazine out that said are is your shop ready for variable compression engines really and i was like holy shit what is this so it's like it's like a dual crankshaft almost yes and it's got like a it's like an offset lobe so it'll turn and then it changes the stroke of the engine to change the compression yeah it's almost like the whole crankshaft moves up and down in relation to the cylinder which sounds like a nightmare i can't imagine that's why do we need this i can't imagine it's going to be reliable it can possibly be it's just another wear item no i I can't possibly imagine it being being worth a shit yeah so okay so now the stupid story so there's a company in California that has basically just released what they're calling a smart license plate. It's, it's funny, like, if you were like, hey, some dumb shit just came down about cars. 
you'd be like, if I had to be like, what state was that from? You'd yeah. immediately be like, California. It's full of idiots. Yeah, I know. And a lot of... Uh, not, the, not the enthusiasts. It's the... It's the well, regulation. The regulation and everybody and else. It's, every dumb weird. shit for cars comes out in California first. I don't know how it's the car mecca of the world. It's like... Well, it's because it's the car mecca of the world that you get a lot of this innovation, both good and bad. And regulation, both good. Well, there's no necessarily no, no good. good. Regulation. Name a good. <laughs> I know. That's... Name one good innovation that's come out of California. <laughs> I don't know. Other than like surfboards and skateboards. Sure. Well, I don't have any example because you're saying like all innovation like comes from produce. I'm not, I don't know. Comes like, from Detroit and and Europe and yeah. I mean, California doesn't do anything but step on our throat. What about Tesla? Tesla is is. <laughs> Builds batteries in Nevada. Okay. Yeah, we'll go with that. Good call. But anyways, so smart license plate, Chris. You got on a tangent. This Sorry. is basically an e-ink screen. So it's like your um, like your Kindle or your Amazon Nook or whatever, these e-ink devices. Or, that, or the price tags at the stores now. Yeah, you're right. Like they do have those. Yeah. So it's the exact same thing, but it's a license plate. And so it's a cool concept in the sense that they'll be able to tell dynamically, like, if your registration is renewed, it'll yep. automatically renew. And, like, if the car's stolen, it'll literally say stolen on the plate, <laughs> which is kind of cool, I right? Just hit, I just hit the thing with a hammer. Yeah, good point. Yeah, if you steal a car, just break the license plate. But here's so the crazy thing. So does this have a battery, battery you have to replace? You, you hardwire it to your car. Okay. So, A, you're going to have to hardwire it. B, it's ridiculously expensive for what it is. So it's $700 to buy this device. Wow. But then there's a subscription service of $7 a month. For what? I guess for the service so that they can beam data to it. It must be. It must be. It only needs to beam data once. No, but what happens if someone steals your car and well, they then update you can beam that? that data? It doesn't need your car's not getting stolen every month. No, but it's still connected to some network, right? I guess. No, it's stupid regardless. Yeah. So why wouldn't you just have an old-fashioned license plate that's worked forever as opposed to yeah, this I, weird e-ink thing? People are just trying to advance. They're trying to figure out ways to advance technology because everybody's obsessed with technology. Well, I mean that's all it comes down to. There, honestly, I don't even know why I have tabs on my plate. Because the cop can literally drive up behind me and it auto looks at my plate, looks exactly. it up, and tells me everything. Why do I have to have these stupid little tab things? Actually, I don't because I have collector plates. I was going to say, you don't but have in tabs. general, why do you need tab? Why do you need no, that? Why? You're right. And so I, that's what they're kind of getting at with having this display automatically. But you're right. Anytime a cop comes by, they're scanning your plate to see if it's current registration. So that doesn't make any sense. So if this becomes like a... Well, it's this is a long ways out. It I is. I mean, it's, it's not like this is going to become a mandated thing or anything. I don't think so. And it's, I don't know, it's just so stupid. And they had a video promotion with it, like in the story, where the guy who invented it was talking about it and promoting it. The way he promoted it was everyone wants the latest cell phone. They want the latest technology. So now you can have the latest license plate. Yeah, that's lame. It's really lame. Well, on that note, we're going to go walk around and see if we can look at some cars and uh, take a quick break. And we will be back. All right, so before we get too much further, I want to make sure I give a shout-out to one of our great sponsors, Luther Westside Volkswagen. As we know, they are the number one Volkswagen dealer in the country right here in Minneapolis. Uh, they also have the largest selection of Volkswagens or used European cars in the Twin Cities. Um, you guys need to go check them out. You know, Chris has his favorite uh sales associate over there and make sure you can find yours um, you can find them at westsidevolkswagen.com uh, otherwise you can find them on facebook or anywhere else be sure to give those guys a shout out if you are in the market so we're here with phil and phil you have a uh is it the morris 
No, what? it's a, it's a 1966 FX4 uh, Austin London taxi. Austin London taxi, and it's <laughs> super cool. Um, and you said it was actually in service in London for like 20 years. Yeah, I'm sure it's probably in service for maybe 20, 25 years. Okay. And then a gentleman in Germany actually had it as part of his collection, and that's where I was okay. able to find it. And you were on the look for something like this. Uh, yeah. Do you have I, other... Uh, yeah, I'm actually going to have you hold this, just so it sounds a little bit better. Perfect. Um, so you've always been a British car enthusiast? I am. Or? I am. Okay. I'm an Anglophile. So, an Anglophile. Okay. Uh, Anglo, a lover of England. And, uh, yes. And so it intersects my love for England and my love for classic cars. Okay. Do you have some other cars as well as? Well, I hope to. I'd okay. like to get a Morris Minor. Yep. I'd like to get uh, some other British vehicles because they just have so much character. Absolutely. It's, it's something about British cars that they just... They have a soul. Absolutely. And what I love about the taxi is it has all the original equipment. It has the uh, fire extinguisher. Exactly. And it has the umbrella and the original taxi license in there as well. Exactly. Um, and you said it's basically all original. It, it really is. I just, I had, I had it repainted here just because I wanted it really back to the true dark black like you right. see in the city streets. And back when I studied in university in um, London, they were all black, and of okay. course now a lot of them have advertising on them and everything. Sure, so they've kind of lost a little bit of their character. Okay. But so this is nostalgic for you, very much so. Okay. Yeah, because it is part of London. I mean, you can't separate the taxi from London. It's, it's like it's the double decker bus. It's part of the personality. And, uh, yep, the phone booths and everything else. Exactly, it's part of it. Exactly. Very cool. So how did you? I, I guess you you had this idea that you wanted the taxi cab, and you've been looking for quite a while for this mm -hmm. to source mm -hmm. it. There is a uh, organization called the U.S. London Vintage Taxi Association, okay. believe it or not. And there's about 900 London taxis in the U.S. Are there really? Probably about half of them are for hotels and, you know, limousines and weddings. And then probably other half are privately owned, sure. like mine. So. Okay. Now, what, what do those have for a drivetrain? I don't know much about... What it's, <laughs> it's very simple. It's four, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a four... Four on the floor. Yep. Very small Austin diesel engine. Oh, it is top a diesel. Speed, yeah, it is a diesel. Okay. The top speed is about 45, 46, because okay. they just couldn't go any faster in the city of London. And how far did you drive it to get here today? I drove from Lake Minnetonka. Okay. Got it got a little over 50, so I think I was pushing You were the, maxing uh, it out at that probably point. Probably pushing the design limits on it. But, uh, <laughs> but no, they were built for the city of London, and one of the most unique aspects is they, they're really built with a short turning radius. Oh, I suppose. So, so if a driver saw a passenger on the other side of the street, he could quickly just do spin a it in those, right there. in those narrow London streets. So they almost pivot on the back tires in many ways. Really? Yeah. Fascinating. Does it make it unstable then? No. At speed? <laughs> no, I mean, they're, they're really built for four people and luggage. Yep. In many ways, they're kind of the original minivan. I suppose they are in that it. regard. Yeah. With the flip-down seats even you showed. Exactly. I so always, you have the main bench... And then there's seats that basically are behind the driver's seat that flip Correct. down. So there's two, two that flip down, so two of the passengers are looking backwards, yep. and two are, are, are seated forward. Okay. And what was the process like to import that? So it was obviously licensed in London and then in Germany. Yeah, it takes a while, because first of all, it has to be more than 25 years old right. in order to allowed to have the steering wheel on the British side. Yes. So that's the first thing. That's something else we should mention. It's obviously right-hand drive. It is a right-hand British drive. And that has drive. to be an experience in itself. Yeah. It, it's When you're driving, you have to stay focused, let me tell you. Because yeah, I bet. And you're shifting with your left hand. You're shifting with your left hand. Which I don't... I'm left-handed, but I still don't think I could get used to that. Yeah. So it's a good mental workout just to I'm take sure it out. it is. Without question. So had to be 25 years old, to, you know, to get 
past the emissions and all of that kind of stuff. So it truly is a classic car. And, uh, and I just got lucky. I was in business uh, in Berlin. I just happened to see it on one of the classic car sites. Okay. And it was in a little village uh, on, on the border of Germany. So you're like me when you travel abroad. You look at the local listings for I'm always, cars I'm to see looking what you can at find. Local cars, exactly. Very cool. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of any other cool... I think the other thing... You can't separate the driver from the car. Okay. And I think a lot of people don't realize how important the London taxi drivers are. They have to take a test called the knowledge. Okay. And the knowledge is they have to know every street in London. And it takes about two years for them to study. Wow. So literally, you'll see these guys out on bicycles with maps driving all the back streets. And then then they take this exam called, again, the knowledge. And if they don't pass... They, can't they don't get to be a, a, a the taxi driver. And is it like that to this day? It still is. So it's okay. a very prestigious job. It is. And these are yeah. very articulate guys. So I mean, it's no not kidding. just a taxi driver. They're they're very articulate. They know London, so it's kind of like a tour guide. Yeah. And what's kind of good right now is they've kicked Uber out of London. Oh, really? Because here these guys, you know, have studied all this time to understand the knowledge, and then yep. come the Uber guys. Right. But the mayor of London has, I think at least for now, has kicked Uber out, but I think it might be still in debate a bit. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I'd much rather have someone who knows the streets exactly. and, like you say, is so knowledgeable and intelligent driving exactly. around than some other random person. Yeah. That's fascinating. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you uh, talking to us well, here. Well, thank you for having me, and I appreciate your interest in the car. Absolutely. Thank you. You bet. All right, before we get too much further, I want to make sure that we talk about South Central Imports. With all these cool cars we're seeing out here today, some people need to make sure that they are maintained and in top condition. South Central Imports has been in business since 1976, so you know that they can be trusted and have the experience to get the job done. Their exclusive Volkswagen Audi shop right here in Twin Cities. And as I say every week, most of all, they have the integrity and honesty so that you can trust them to get the job done and get the job done well. Uh, You can find them on Facebook at SCI Performance or give them a call right now at 612-722-8897. All right, so I'm here with uh, Michael Krabbel, and we found you because you have a really cool Defender D110 right-hand drive that you imported from Europe, and you have a cool story about how you kind of got into this. Yeah, so I I had owned a a 1988 V8 D90 that I had imported for me, I don't know, about four or five years ago, and I, I just sort of fell in love with it, and I drove across country in it, and it just brought so many smiles, and it was such an interesting yeah. vehicle because it was it was tattered and beat up. There was rust on it, but you know everybody just loved it. And it a lot of characters, we like to say. Yeah. <laughs> well, I well we now that I'm sort of in the business of it, we call it adventure tested. Adventure tested. I uh, like that. So every every mark on it means that there was something, you know, it was a tree branch, an adventure, you know, backing out of the pub, whatever the case might it's be. It's like a scar. You have it's a, a story scar, for yeah. every every mark and, and so, mishap. Yeah. So. After a couple of years, I started looking into the culture of, of the Defender in England, uh, where it used to be uh, a fairly agriculture car, right. used on farms, uh, but it had such uh, such cool history of it that I just like, why don't we have more of these in the U.S.? Yeah. And then I started doing some research on a, on a movement over there called green laning, which is basically like a gentleman's off-roading. Okay. Uh, in, in England, and, and uh, I like run- that concept. It is so. It's you know, in America, you know, and I drive a big lifted truck, so I'm one of those yep. guys as well. Our our idea off roading is like throwing you know a case of beer in the back and going mudding, and yeah, going mudding, <laughs> listening to Skinner. Versus the the Green Lady is a little bit more about tea time at, at three o'clock. 
uh, but it's uh, it's kind of nice. But it's because they have open road policies. Okay. Uh, and so you're it's like. Uh, if there's a big field or, or an estate or something like that that goes for thousands of acres, there's usually field, ancient roads that, that you can go through, but they're sort of running in conflicts about liability on the farm and right, cause that's complaining. Right, because that's property. And, and so uh, at least half of those roads have been closed down in the past couple of years. And so uh, I was doing a, doing some pre-work on a, on a documentary about that story, and I just sort of fell in love with the vehicles that we were finding in old barns and how they just ran and went forever. Wow. Uh, and so we, we brought home a couple. We adopted a... <laughs> uh, and, and brought him home with us. And then it sounds like because you've made a business out of this, um, I, or at least you know you also will import for customers and clients. Yes. Correct. Yeah. So we started a, a company called Bishop Rook, Bishop and Rook, uh, which I last, love the name. Yeah, it's cool. And it's got a little history there. We can go into another time, but uh, <laughs> uh, we, we want to be able to bring in driving cars that, that people could use. So a lot of the. The 110s that were here in the states that were the limited edition when they were imported in the, in the 90s, you know, they go for about 150, 200 grand. I've looked; they're not cheap. No, and, and I I felt bad being in the same room with them, much less <laughs> taking it off roading. And so it, it was, it felt like they were way overbuilt. And I wanted to be able to bring in uh, cars that, that people would drive. And so at first it was just sort of like a, a little hobby that turned into a passion. Uh, and then I had people wanting to to buy them, and I was like, okay, sure. And then I could go get another one. Yeah. And so it was really more feeding my I wanted to drive a new Defender every day habit. And I suppose the the experience and the adventure to go find another one, because do you basically go over to England every time you bring one back? I or? do. Yeah, for the most part. Uh, early on, I didn't, uh, and I, I learned the lesson <laughs> of uh, th- there's some incredible photographers over in England that can avoid rust. <laughs> They can shoot right around it like Somewhat there's no misleading. tomorrow. Yeah, um, <laughs> is rust as big of a problem over there as it is here in uh, the snow belt, the salt you know, belt, it, as we'll call it? It's funny because it's about the same. To is be it honest. really? Yeah. I mean, England is a very wet climate, right. and so what ends up happening is, I mean, the build quality on most English cars is is not exactly. I, up to, I have an MG, so I know exactly okay. what you're talking about. Yep. And anywhere where that water and mud can can hold will just come right through. And even though yep. the body panels are aluminum. Uh, the frame is is steel, and so are all Land Rover Defenders aluminum body. Aluminum body, yep. Interesting. Uh, they I were originally that. designed that way after World War II because steel was rationed out. Shortage of steel, and so aluminum made them lightweight. They made the box chassis yep. uh, to save, and and that's what made it such a great vehicle. And they are still on the road today because they didn't rust. Yes, <laughs> yes. So, and you know, they're patched up and 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 stuff like that. You know, pretty well, but but they last a really long time. Yeah. They're so, how many of-, of these defenders have you had? So, I think I'm up. We sort of number them. I think when we started, our first shipment was in uh, last July. So, I think we're up to 14 now. 14. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I, I might have to talk to you after our recording here. <laughs> sure, I, yeah. I'm like-minded like you, and I love those Defenders. Yeah. And it is, like you say, just a shame that the ones you see available here on the market are so expensive yes. that you feel yep. bad even using, let alone you know going off-roading with them, as they're right. meant to do. They're let's meant to be do, honest. yes. So um, that's very cool. And this is a diesel, correct? Diesel, yep. This is a right-hand diesel, 200 TDI. Okay. Uh, now, our... Are all of them imported? Are they diesel? Did they make gas engines? They, over they there? did. So uh, I have. I mean, my original was a was a petrol V eight, which yep. is basically I think it's, that's right. We have to use the correct term. It's petrol. It's petrol. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, 
Well, because I ask about gas, I'm like, what are you talking about? Yeah. So I, I find that I, I, my language shifts a little bit when I'm talking about the cars, but uh, they were very rare because uh, petrol is really expensive. Right. Uh, and it, to be honest, it gets about 14 miles to the gallon. Yeah, not uh, ideal when you're driving a brick uh, down the road. Versus the, the, the turbo diesel that I drove today gets about 27 to 30. Wow. So... That Pretty significant good. difference. Yeah, even by today's yeah. standards. And, and and if you're on a farm and you got your farm equipment, that's all running diesel. So right, it just makes sense. So it just makes sense. Absolutely, very cool. Well, thank you for uh, being on the show here and talking about uh, defenders. Yeah, and my pleasure. Absolutely. And where can people find you if they want to look you up? Uh, we got a pretty cool website, bishoprook.com. Uh, you check that out. We put everything up there, uh, projects we're working on, restorations, uh, stuff we're building for ourselves. Uh, and then if you're in the Minneapolis area, we've got a little showroom uh, that we opened up where people can come, take them out. And then hopefully this summer we're going to try to do like a little off-road driving I was going to ask if you have a little off-road track trying the to showroom. Yeah, so if any of your uh, listeners like have access to a property where we can run through some streams and fields and be uh, awesome. uh, legally because the the stuff that we've shot our films on, we've sort of just found and used, and nobody's complained yet. But we imagine <laughs> and is that all uh, overseas that you've done your your films? No, no. What we well, what we try to do is we film over there as well. But then when we bring them home, uh, we what we like to show them their, their native climate. So yeah, we've uh, we've stole some shots uh, over where the Renaissance Festival is. There's kind of an old gravel pit yep. in the field over there that we tool around in and have some good fun. Okay, uh, so mini like overlanding adventure. Mini overlanding, yeah. <laughs> but it, it's fun because like you you drive one off. You know, on the highway, and it's one experience. You you get it on on you know dirt and water and stuff like that. And I I, I dare you not to smile. There's so much. <laughs> That's fun. where they come alive. That's where they come alive. So it's fun. Awesome. Well, thank you, Mike. It's been Absolutely. a pleasure talking to you. Perfect. All right, Chris. Before we get too much further, let's uh, talk about further performance a little bit. These guys are a local Twin Cities-based automotive specialist, and they truly love European cars as they are actual enthusiasts. And that matters when you're taking your car to them, whether it's for maintenance, a full restoration, or uh, maybe a big horsepower engine build or something along that lines. These guys can take care of you. They know what they're doing. You can find them at fptuned.com. That's fp. T-U-N-E-D dot com. And as I said, these guys really have a passion for automobiles and for, uh, you know, the enthusiasm for the industry. Give them a call. All right, we're back from talking with some people about their interesting cars. So we discovered something. What's that? It is that it is very difficult. It is very difficult to find cool cars to talk about when everybody's walking around. Right, no one is by their car. Nobody's by their car. So there's lots of stuff we wanted to do and maybe talk about. Like this, uh, this Corvette right here with uh, painted tires, the tire lettering. And, uh, I don't, I don't like plastic that. Plastic brake covers that make his calipers look bigger than they really are. Chris doubted this, and I pointed out that his I calipers. Just, I just can't believe it. Have I just covers. Couldn't, I just couldn't even believe it. Um, so I wanted to to kind of talk a little bit, and I feel bad now because my car drove like shit when you drove it. So <laughs> you may have seen on Instagram that Jake drove my. My 911, 911, and the clutch was way out of adjustment, so it was really difficult. It's to funny. Drive. I was like slightly embarrassed because I kept like sliding it into gear when the clutch was letting out, and you're like, you gotta be, you gotta be very deliberate, deliberate about it. Yeah. And I, at the back of my mind, I was like, well, this is just a shitty driving experience. <laughs> what this is. So it's uh, it's fine now. Plus, new tires are on it, so it's it's nice so it's, to have. It's better now. It's better now. Okay. In a way. Um, <laughs> so but I, now I'm a little bit worried that I had to adjust the clutch again. Right. So I don't know if like the clutch finger that actuates it is getting fatigued, or the pressure plate is getting fatigued, or the cable is stretching. The cable could stretch, I suppose. It could, but not likely, because I looked, it's a pretty serious cable, yeah. so I'm not sure exactly what's going on. So I might have to, if it goes all the way to the floor again, I have to adjust it, I'm going to pull the transmission off and just have a look. It's, it's, it's 
It's probably the pressure plate. That's the most likely That thing. it's fatiguing and, it's and fatiguing. basically bending. Otherwise, there's some probably some, I don't know, maybe I, who knows? I don't fucking know. It's you just, know what? I see a lot of clutch work in our summer, this future, or this, in our future this summer, because I got to do the clutch in the truck at some point. Sure. The pressure plate in that is fatiguing. Um, and I think you said on the BMW, the clutches. No, I, so I did a, a, my first mod on the BMW. Okay. So there's like this little hydraulic valve. That sits in between the clutch pedal and the clutch. Okay. Okay. So reservoir clutch, whatever. So it's but it's got, so it's a little valve, but it's uh, it's got a pinhole in it. So this pinhole, when you push the clutch in, yeah, it 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 basically dumbs it down, so it makes it slow down, so the fluid goes back and forth slower. So it's almost like a dampener in your clutch That's the system. Word, dampener. <laughs> so yeah, it's a dampener in your clutch system. So when I would release the clutch too fast, the fluid would still be coming out, even though oh. I had already released it. So I thought the clutch was slipping. But well, it wasn't stupid. the clutch slipping. It was this stupid piece of shit valve. So I got rid of that, and now the thing's awesome. So that's like a popular mod. Yeah, so that's, uh, I guess it's popular mod with E46s, everything. I guess everybody pulls this thing out. Now that that's gone, the clutch feels great. Okay. So that's nice. I don't have to worry about a clutch failing or anything like that. Okay. Well, at least on that car. Yeah, on, on that car anyway. <laughs> so um, yeah, so about the driving experience of your 911, I'll say I was, um, I was surprised by how fast it was, how much power it had. And I was surprised by I'm, I'm, how much better it sounds than a V8. Yes, it sounded really good. It was the sound and the acceleration I was like surprised by. I expected right. it to be quick, but that was really fast. Overall, the experience was like I think I've built it up too much in my mind. The whole air cooled 911. Yeah. Well, you thing. were scared of grinding the gears every single shift, so that, that might too. have had something to do with but it. But I was like, yeah. I mean, well, we had talked like you would. You, you kind of want a 911. You were talking about it. I'm like, dude, you got to just drive one to make right. sure that this is something that you actually want. It, now, here's the deal: if you get like a little bit of a newer 911, like an SC right. or something like that, it's an entirely different car. I mean, no, it I really, really, truly is. I yeah, mean, it's, this it's, is this is not refined. No, there's no power steering. There's no power brakes. There's, I mean, it's all. And I don't mind that. It actually, you're gonna laugh because I think you hate this concept. It did remind me of driving the Lotus Elise a little bit. Just the how Just the visceral it was, twitchiness, and how light well, you can feel it is. It's funny that you say that because when I interviewed Aki Manshite with Bigotti, yep. he told me that he had had the opportunity. Did I already tell this story? You did, but you can repeat it. So he, he drove he an drove Elise. He drove a Lotus. Yep, he and had then, a Lotus Elise. Being that he worked for Volkswagen, Bugatti, whatever, right. he couldn't own an Elise, so he decided to build his own out of a 911. Right. So, and it is, yeah, it is very similar in that at Oh, I got to get a picture. Did you get a picture of this thing yet? I did not. Oh, here's our... Uh, friend we just heard from mike with the defender he's, he's stopping he's by, stopping with, by. The, uh, with the defender it's, the thing is absolutely fantastic we'll get some make sure we get some pictures of it and uh and talk about it a little bit more absolutely um, let's take a little bit of break and we'll be right back all right we're back yeah uh we just had our buddy with the, the, the defender drove mike. over here so we had to stop i had to climb around in that <laughs> thing a little bit <laughs> they are cool it is so simple well, it's that's what makes really, it really, cool. really boil down. I mean, it's yeah, it's it's the purity, I think, and that can be across any car genre. Like that's why your 911 is cool. That's why these are cool. It's the simplicity and the like purity. Well, there's other cars that are simple that are lame, like a Pinto. That's a simple car. Yeah, but nobody wants that. It's okay. What they so what is it? It's what they represent. I mean, when you look at that the heritage that vehicle, that I think England. I right. think that represents England in a worldwide scale. It's iconic. You know, he he, he had that statement where he said that every uh, 60%. 60% of the world's population, the first car they ever see as a kid, 
that is that is a defender, a defender, a Land Rover, and um, basically, I mean, that's that's your whole country right there. That's your that is your uh, it's your ambassador, right? And I mean, uh, that's what makes that thing cool. Not that it's simple; it's it's what it represents, right. and the simplicity certainly helps. As, yeah. as like a, a guy that doesn't like to, to fix everything all the time. Unlike the Tesla behind you. So like what's funny me. is at Cars God and Coffee here, they put our booth right by the Tesla parking area. It's the it, the guy's like, a, what is he, a Tesla superstore? I, I think what that's what they call oh, their that, dealership. I think so that that's is actually Tesla. I think that is Tesla. That's the Tesla superstore. Okay. Well, anyway, I could be wrong. So but the Tesla superstore is like five feet away, and they keep doing the, <laughs> the like the, the Christmas music thing. Well, I don't know what you call it. There's a term for it where basically you hit a button a and the car like something. performs, right? Performance mode. So it like starts. Everybody's seen this by now, but it starts opening up the doors and then it plays Christmas music. And the lights, and lights are flash, and they keep doing it over and over again. And every time there's like a huge group of people that comes over and looks. I can't believe. And one of them is me videotaping it, going, "Please stop! <laughs> like, please stop doing this." It's it's just like I feel like someone's just like stabbing me in the side of the head. I just it's it's everything I hate. Why does the vehicle need to do this? Why? Well, it's it's all part of the I, I don't know. Why does it it's need the, to do the gimmick. dance? Why does it need to go? Why does the screen need to turn into Star Trek every time you want to try and drive fast? Because it's it's, it's the gimmick, and that's why people like them. I'm it's absolutely awful. So anyway, what else do we have? That is uh, that's basically it for news that we had, and we talked about me driving your car. Um, I don't know. I think that's about it for this week. I that think what we're going to do next week is we're going to have some people. Uh, um, I'll get more people as they come in, and we'll talk to them a little bit. Absolutely. And we'll do it a little bit differently. Well, and, you know, if you're listening to this, please show up uh, next month and say hi to us here. Yep, say uh, hi. And if you know anybody that's got a great car that would like to talk to us here at the event that the car is here, we would uh, we would, we would, would absolutely love that. You know what I will talk about before we leave? Okay. I was over down the row there. There's a, a dealership that has a booth down here, Maury's, and I was sitting in the new Miata RF, which is the fastback version. And I really liked it, Chris. I think I got to take you over there. All right, we'll go take a look right after this. (laughs) On that note, guys, uh, we really appreciate it. Take care, and uh, we'll see you uh, midweek. That's right. All right, take Take care, guys. guys.